You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans, welcome to the Over and Back podcast for Sunday, April 7th, 2019. Hi, I'm Jason Corbis, and I'm here with Mr. RJ Benner. Hey, hey. Hey, uh, wow, it is that time. It is playoff time. We are right around the corner, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it being Sunday, there's a few games that, that matter that we're going to go over. We do a, a weekend podcast, so instead of like a midweek Wednesday when we'll have an idea of what the playoff picture looks like, um, we'll, we'll have to do a little bit of prognosticating and guessing on, right. on what that on what that's going to look yeah, like. Yeah, we, we got a few other stories before we dive into our playoff picture, but uh, it's just a different feeling in the air when we get to playoff season, you know? Yeah. It's nice when we actually have games that matter now. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're looking at you're looking at some of these matchups, and you actually care if uh, you know who. We were just we were just looking at the Nuggets Blazers. This is the only time of the season I think I've ever cared what's going to happen on a Nuggets Blazers game <laughs> to that extent, just because of the seeding implications behind it. So, but as you did mention before, we dive deep into the playoffs and what these matchups will look like, and, and some of the the key takeaways. Uh, let's talk some of the news around the league now. I have made it a point over the last few podcasts to bash. Uh, the big baller brand and the ball family at every opportunity. And new uh, uh, LeVar Ball uh, news came out of L.A. There's uh, just something about grabbing low-hanging fruit and taking a bite out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? I wouldn't say it's low-hanging. It's, it's already fallen onto the ground. I'm just eating a, a rotten apple at this point. So LaMelo announces that he's going to play overseas, uh, possibly China, instead of college basketball. Uh, a lot of this is because everybody assumes that uh, including the balls, assume that he's going to get hit with an ineligibility whenever he uh, whenever he goes to school, which has hurt his. This is what they say. That's what's hurt his recruitment. Uh, uh, well, stock. His ineligibility is uh, inevitability. It's going to have <laughs> going to happen. And the other option for him was to go to the G League, and his daddy doesn't want the G League because. Uh, there's a lot of hungry guys in the G League, if you don't know. Everybody there wants to make uh, a move to the big dance to get a shot in the NBA. So they're going to beat up a kid like him. They're going to just you know work him over and uh, and attack him. One, LaMelo doesn't play any defense. It's going to be really hard for him to compete in the G League with guys that are you know, they want to play like animals because they need a contract. And he's not going to be able to compete with like 25, 30-year-old guys who, you know, don't care about where he comes from or who he is. Oh, they'll care. Well, <laughs> they, they will they, make they an example of him every night. They won't care in a positive way. <laughs> They're not going to be pulling for the kid. Right. Well, um, and this is the same reason why um, uh, Jello isn't in the league either. The, uh, the middle. Well, side. I thought he wasn't in the league because he sucked. Was well, there that? was that too. <laughs> but that's why he's not in the G League is that, um, um, and this is all ball in the family, which is like a Facebook television show that, uh, that you can stream. Uh, Jello and uh, uh, man, it's hard to keep all these names straight. Jello and uh, Lonzo were having a conversation uh, on the show, and he was saying, well, "Go play overseas. Go play overseas. They're just gonna make. They're just gonna punk you. Make an example of you in the G League." Yeah, and it is true. So same thing with Lamelo. I feel bad a little bit because this kid, um, sixteen years old, is when he got his quote unquote shoe deal from his dad and brother, and that cost him his eligibility. And I, I think that's just that's poor parenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for somebody who didn't need to do that to explain it's taking kid. your kid's future and flushing it down with a bunch of ugly shoes right down the toilet, you know? This is true. I it's kind you. of a shame. And, you know, the the worst part is is 
LeVar Ball's back in the news. And you know how much I hate that? <laughs> I just... Yes. <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard for me. I thought we were so over and done with hearing from him because it's been forever. It feels like it's been almost a year, you know? Yeah. Since well, the beginning a lot of, of the season. Is, a lot of that is ESPN, I think, actively went out of their way to, to stop oh, everybody, the everybody. So, but yeah. yeah, so we'll see what happens with Lamelo. I think he's probably going to wash out um, overseas and and just you know cash some checks. So next up uh, on the list, we have uh, a game that I wasn't a big fan of, but I, a lot of people caught fire with it and have been talking about it. Is this and our angry friend? It is. Russell Westbrook puts up a twenty 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 game first time since Wilt Chamberlain, which is kind of a big deal. Except it's always like just it comes at the cost of everything else. So. I, I'm going to lead off with I, I don't care for it. I don't think it's a big deal. I think that Russell Westbrook is a modern-day stat filler with with diminishing substance. Uh, he, he, three, so when he had his first triple-double average season, his PER, and I don't know if you care about this at all, but his PER was over 30. Oh, he's at the bottom of the league for PER. Now he he's lost ten points off that. Yeah. And, oh, and, and but he's still putting up a triple double. So it's like at some point that has really lost to me a lot of the 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 glamour behind it. So this well, twenty twenty twenty. You see him too, like uh, he has an issue sometimes when he's got even to his big guys when they grab rebounds that he's able to get because it's not giving him his numbers. Right. And his teammates know that and they're padding stats for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, it's nice to see the ten assists on there, but. I mean, yeah. Assists. I mean, there's so many like almost hockey assists these days yeah. in the NBA that it's it's not like it was. So I mean, ten assists isn't exactly the same as it might have been like in the '90s. But you know, it, it's still it, it is what it is. But it's not as impressive. It's not as impressive as like when Nikhil Olajuwon put up a quadruple double, or when uh, even David Robinson put up a quadruple double. And those were the only like two in history. And uh, if uh, if I'm wrong, uh, is that right? I think it is. I feel like yeah. a, like a Scalabrini type would have done something like that too, right? No, he would put up like the uh, the five nickel. Right? <laughs> that, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> he ain't having ten points. <laughs> so I, Scalabrini ten points. What's his career high? Right. So I'll say that uh, Westbrook has redefined uh, useless statistics, and that's kind of a sad thing. And you know, to your point, averaging ten assists today is a lot easier because the scoring clip is a lot higher, too. Well, so. I mean, you're also passing the ball to Paul George, too. It's, it's not the hardest thing to get an assist off yeah. of that. So Yeah, anyways, so maybe maybe I'm going to offend people, maybe I'm not, but that 2020-20 game was just a – it, it, was, it, was it was just a grab for stats. Right. And it was just a, a kind of a bla- – it was the most blatant stat grab since David Robinson put up 71 up. at the last oh, game of the season up. to pass Shaquille O'Neal for the scoring record. Yeah, uh, but it was season. beautiful, man, all 71 of them points. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, too, well, one last thing about Russell Westbrook is – it's obvious that the league sort of feels the same way about this being empty stat padding because, quite honestly, it hardly even gets mentioned that, you know, when it does get brought up, it's like, yeah, Westbrook is averaging a triple-double again. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Nobody really gets into it. There's no following it yep. because they understand that, you know, it is just stat padding. Right. And it's not. We gave him the MVP the first season. Then he was like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this at the expense of everybody around me. So, Given him as, I feel like we've given him enough light on this, and we we got to go over some Westbrook stuff later. Somebody who isn't getting enough, uh, uh, I used this term a couple podcasts ago, and I got yelled at for it. But somebody who isn't getting enough dap 
Oh, is that word again? <laughs> that word again is Trey Young. We're forty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-nine. Uh, he's making a push for rookie of the year. He's his his um, his scoring clip has gone up considerably. So the question is: is this a, is this another stat pad, or is this a young player on a young team figuring it out at the end of the season? Well. <sighs> He's in a good spot because he does get a chance to kind of experiment and develop his game and figure out what's going to work for him in the league and what's not going to work for him in the league. And, you know, Atlanta is the perfect situation for a guy like him right now where he's at in his career. And he's figured it out a little bit. But, I mean, his, his shooting has gone up slightly, but it's still not where you want to be for a guard in this league to be considered on the road to being, you know, an elite guard. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who can put up as many shots as him and score more more points, but he is showing, uh, you know, well, well, he's not consistent at certain times. He has been very clutch for them, hitting, uh, hitting game winners, scoring at the right time. And, uh, and for that, I mean, that's a lot of good experience learned and he's, uh, really been, been highlighted in these areas. And that's really giving him, uh, you know, a lot of guys giving him, you know, a bit of a vote for the rookie of the year, uh, chase. Yeah. So I'll say, I don't think he's going to get it. No, I don't. I don't think so either. But, but I'll say this about him. Um, you're right. It's a good situation. Young team, no expectations. <clears throat> they uh, they got Trey Young and a draft pick coming from the Mavericks as part of that deal. So the expectations for him certainly weren't as high as somebody like Luca. Right. And then on top of that, he's got Vince uh, Carter's kind of giving him some tutelage there too, right? Yeah. So and that's when you look around the league. Like you look at a Colin Sexton, for instance. He doesn't have any mentor. I think Vince Carter makes one heck of a mentor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if Vince Carter is able to teach him everything he knows, we know that Trey Young will eventually get to the second round of the playoffs. And that was cold. <laughs> that was so cold. <laughs> We've become bitter Sorry. here at the Overback Podcast. <laughs> well, hey, it was nowhere near as big of shots you were taking at Chris Bosh last week. Yeah, so. Chris Bosh deserved it, though. Vince Carter is <laughs> nothing Vince but a Carter, gentleman. Man. Dude, Vince Carter is great. I love him. Uh, so taking shots, uh, as as our listeners are starting to develop some of our behaviors and, and who we like and don't like, uh, they'll know anytime I bring up the Golden State Warriors, you know it's going to be me putting a negative slant on it. So maybe you can shed some light onto this, but I feel like the Golden State Warriors are developing developing an even worse attitude. So last weekend... Which yeah, we there's did- literally more crap coming out of their mouths to the refs than there is on the streets in San Francisco. So. <laughs> That's disgusting and accurate. <laughs> so uh, last last weekend, we missed this on our last podcast, so I kind of wanted to bring it up, even though it's old news. Uh, the Golden State Warriors um, got into an altercation. I'm just going to call it an altercation. They got into yeah. an altercation with the refs of a, of a, a game between um, Golden State and Minnesota. So to quick recap of what happens. Five seconds left. Uh, Warriors are down by three. They inbound at the top of the key past the three-point line to Kevin Durant. Carl Anthony Towns gets called for a foul on the ground before Durant rises up and drains the shot. They wave off the three, and they have to do a new inbounds. Now, the Warriors kind of stomp their feet and throw a, uh, a temper tantrum about that, but the inbound comes into the corner. Steph Curry takes a step, pump fake, drains a beautiful three-point shot uh, to tie the game with one and a half seconds left. So in that moment, Jason, what do you think you should do? Oh, I think you should be probably, uh, you know, just celebrating with your teammates a little bit. Either that, there's one second in the game. Maybe try to set up some good defense to make sure that there's no tippet or something like that. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, so, so something the, something smart. I, I I wouldn't lose your head. Yeah, so so the, the Timberwolves immediately call a timeout. And during that timeout, 
uh, Steph Curry takes off running down the court. You, I'm looking at him. I'm like, he's going to do a silly airplane thing, right. or he's going to stick his hands out and dive into somebody, or he's going to stand there a with slide his, on the floor thing. Yeah, and like yeah, or he's going to like do the puff out the chest at 130 pound thing that he likes to do. Instead, he runs to a referee. He sticks who his made the call for the, yeah. Sorry, the the referee who called Carl uh, Anthony Towns for the foul. He sticks his finger in the referee's face and laughs as he runs by. Now, I don't know how this guy didn't get hit with a technical foul. Not only that, that he also stops and stares him down and still keeps pointing at him, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely taunts the referee, which is a tech. You get you get teed up for that. Kudos to the ref for not doing it, because he would have just been lambasted. They would have they would have blamed the loss on him. It, hindsight, it didn't help that much. But Yeah, but we're... I, you know, I don't think that... I don't think that that right now it, there's such an eye on Golden State and their attitudes towards refs. I think it could have been a really good example if they would have kicked them out. Yeah, maybe. You know, people are <clears throat> people are kind of fed up with it all across the board. So. Yeah, if you don't live in Northern California, you're pretty well, much sick and tired of this. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it doesn't end there, though. This is the right? be- this is karma and the the beauty of basketball. One and a half seconds left. They run an inbound. That Timberwolves run an inbound play to Carl Anthony Towns for an alley oop to the hoop. Now, the pass is way over Carl Anthony Towns' head. There's no way he can make a play on the ball. Typically, from what I've talked to, <clears throat> refs that they call local games that I talk to, they don't bother making a call if it's a completely unplayable pass. No, you usually swallow pass. your whistle. But, uh, but in this moment, they call a foul on Kevin Durant for pulling on Carl Anthony Towns. I wonder why. <laughs> so the big cat goes line, hits two free throws, and they win the game. The same ref, I believe, too. Yeah. So... At the post game, Kevin Durant says MVP of the game was, uh, and, and I can't, I can't remember the name, uh, Karad or something like that was the name of the referee that was making these calls. He, he he basically calls out the ref and says he was the MVP of the game, being really snotty about it. Steph Curry makes some um, some some sideways comments, but nothing as blatant as that. And then icing on the cake after the game when Draymond Green is icing his knees or out on the town or watching Jeopardy whatever he does to relax and have fun he decides to send out a very cryptic tweet that compares the referee from that night's game to the infamous Tim Donahue who (laughs) if you guys don't know was the referee who went to prison for uh, uh, what's it called Um, Uh, point shaving point point shaving nah game fixing fixing. there we go for game fixing in the NBA I want to say about 12 years ago yeah the league went five days before handing out the fines, but they eventually did thirty-five thousand for Draymond, twenty-five thousand for Kevin Durant, fifteen thousand for Steph Curry. Wait, twenty-five for Steph Curry, fifteen thousand for for uh, Kevin Durant. Sorry. Oh, with all that being said, the referees, in my opinion, are a fraternity. Yeah, you don't you don't mess with one, or you get all the brothers coming after you. They're like frat brothers. They yeah. are. They. I feel like they're they have they have the ability to cripple you in a game more than any star you're gonna face, mm-hmm. and and because you don't feel challenged by other teams, you decide to go ahead and target the Golden or you go ahead and target the referees. Good job, Golden State, in your final farewell season of this disgusting chemistry built the well, lack of chemistry team with with petulant children. Yeah, well, you don't want to be in that situation. How about you don't be uh, don't be Tied up with you know seconds to go <laughs> against the number ten seed, you know. Yeah, hey, How look, about that? Look at that, <laughs> you know. And, and, and to to Golden or to Minnesota's credit, they kept their composure through all that. They could have, yeah. they could have, they, they could have lost, especially for a bunch of young guys too. They actually, it was surprising that they uh, they handled it the way that they did. Yep, uh, absolutely. So we have uh, our final award. So every podcast, 
over the last few weeks, what we've been try- trying to do is give out one award uh, per podcast. We're down to our last award and our last podcast before the playoffs. So, Jason, I'm going to ask you, uh, the reason why we've saved this for last is not because it's the best award, but I think it's because it's the easiest one to pick. Yeah, Who was much. your sixth man of the year? Oh, well, it's no other, nobody else than Sweet Lou, Lou Williams for the Clippers. He's a, he's a model of consistency off the bench, and he is one of you know one of the league's top scorers. You know, in that six man spot, even you know he he plays a little bit less minutes. He gives them such a big boost, and he's a big part of the reason why the Clippers are in, in the playoff picture in the first place. And he had quite the achievement this year, did he not? Oh yeah, he gets the uh, lifetime achievement award for most bench points. Right, he passed his. Uh, Papa Curry? Yeah, I can't ever remember what his real name is. Wardell? Wardell. He passed Wardell Curry uh, for most all-time Wait, bench doesn't, points. Doesn't Wardell Curry play for the Warriors? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... You know that's his first name, right? Yeah, he's junior. Well, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm just making fun of that. the fact that Nobody realizes that Steph's first name is Wardell. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. No, until you told me that, I didn't know that either. Uh, I have a, a funny Nike story about uh, Steph Curry for when we have more time, though. Uh, Nike story? Yeah. It's a, a Okay. Before I get into this, I just want to say, shout out Lou Williams. I'm in complete agreement with Jason. You are the sixth man of the year. Absolutely. And it's odd because you're also the best player on your team. So <laughs> explain that one to me. Uh, if you weren't going to get a starting nod this year, I guess it's not going to happen. Right. I, at some point, was there a conversation? Hey, Lou, you want to start? And he's like, nah, bro, I'm cool. I, I, I got some plans. Right. I'm working on some things. I haven't started a game in three years, but I almost made the all-star team this year. So. I haven't started yet. I ain't going to start now. Uh, so, yeah, forgive me for the indulgence here on uh, on this Nike story for Steph Curry, but uh, before he signed with Under Armour, and now keep in mind, this is back before he became, like, this iconic basketball player. He was still good, but he was the, he was the really good basketball player with a bad ankle uh, instead of the really good basketball player with a ca- cadaver in his ankle. So Nike sends their JV team, basically, to pitch Steph Curry to sign with Nike Shoes. They put together the presentation. The uh, the the Nike folks and all the representatives show up, sit down at the conference table to show them um, everything they put together, and they keep calling him Stephen. <laughs> Stephen Curry. Now, uh, Steph said that that was the number one deciding factor on why he went to Under Armour. Not just because some people that he hadn't met called him Stephen, because that can happen. It's not the right. first time he said that. You know, that's a common thing. Somebody will speak out. And uh, it was that in an entire room of Nike executives, not one person corrected her. And not one person apparently knew how to actually pronounce his name. So could you imagine going there and um, everybody there is just like, all right, Jason, we think that you're going to be a really good basketball player for us. We envision you as part of our family. We can't make it without you, Jason. You're really important to How us. How would I feel? Yeah. Uh, I would just enjoy the Nike contract. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, he walked out of that meeting. He was uh, he, he still was kind of thinking about signing with Nike uh, because it was just Nike. Under Armour's presentation blew him away. And um, if, it, if it wasn't for... So did the amount of money they offered him, I think, so... Oh, on the second time around, he got an insane yeah. amount of money to stay. But it was that first... It was the first... Oh, right. Yeah, the, yeah. Fir- the first go-around. They offered him a lot of money... But it was, they actually went out of the way to say, we want to make you our iconic player and this is what we envision. Instead of, 
Because at that point, you're just another name in a Nike stable. Right. If you're Steph Curry. So the reason why you have to wear those um, mostly ugly Under Armour design shoes is because some Nike executives didn't know how to pronounce his name. And yeah, that's my uh, Steph Curry story. And yeah, if you want a pair, just head to Ross. They're 35 bucks. <laughs> always. They're always. <laughs> and there's like five colors. <laughs> the only one that I never get is the she- the, the, the the old man walkers. Like right. the, They never even made it to Ross. <laughs> I feel like you could probably go down to Arizona and dig them out of the same... Uh, uh, hole that the ET Atari games are in. Like they got dumped in the same place. So with that, Jason, I want to segue. I want to go deep. I want to take a dive into the playoffs. Let's do it. All right. So uh, as we said at the, the top of the show, we don't necessarily have the exact lineup done, and it probably won't be completely finished and, and locked in until the very last game of the very last day of the NBA season, which makes it really difficult for us to do our podcast accurately, but it's also extraordinarily exciting. And we think we're going to be close, though. And, you know, we can go over what the potential matchups are looking like and also what we feel that they're going to be, too. So Yeah, so what we've done is we've, we've etched out the remaining games, and each team has between two and three games remaining in the season, and how they finish these games is really going to determine exactly where their seeding is going to be. So I want to start in the Western Conference, if you're okay with that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just knock out the easiest ones. Golden State is going to hold on to the number one seed. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's 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 no question about that. Denver two. Denver has two games left, and they're a game and a half above. Uh, Houston would have to run the table. Denver would yeah, have to lose. I think they're a lock. Yeah. Houston's locked in at three at that point. The first change I have is the number four seed, which is currently in possession of the Portland Trail Blazers, but within a game uh, behind are Utah, who is surging right now. So when I look at the schedule, I really think Utah passes Portland. Thoughts? You know, they have a chance. Uh Portland has a really tough game uh, against Denver coming up, and you know with their injury issues, uh, uh, Curry's little brother he's he's hurt too. Uh, uh, and I think I think no, I think it's his knee. He's he's questionable, uh, is what I last heard. CJ is questionable. Of course, they're without Nurkic, and you know trying to finish the season with a, a couple of really tough games with a really undermanned staff is just it's tough. So yeah, so looking at their last three games. Uh, two of them are winnable. Uh, one one should be a shoe in. They have a game against Denver, which I really can't see them winning. It's it's a um, uh, just a just a tough matchup. We have a game against the Lakers in Los Angeles. That should be a win. But then this this game, it's another home game. But I really do think Sacramento can surprise them. So uh, they, they put themselves in a position where. They they have to they have to really outperform to be able to hold on to that um, to that four seed. I see them losing tonight, which kind of puts them in that fifth seed uh, versus Utah uh, because Utah's remaining schedule a little bit different. Um, yeah, who are they playing? So we have uh, three games left for them. They have the Lakers, they have Denver, and they have the Clippers. So. Uh, not the easiest schedule, but I really do see them obviously taking the Lakers. They could at least get two out of that. Yeah. I think they match up really well against Denver. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver's last game of the season is a game that they take off because they secure right. uh, home court and the Jazz aren't taking it off. And at that point, it really comes down to a Clippers team that is just completely falling apart mm-hmm. um, down the stretch. So I see them winning uh, all three of these games, even though that tough matchup against Denver normally would be a lot harder. But I imagine uh, a Jokic probably playing 15 20 minutes in that game yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna go all out in that game there's no reason to there's no reason to risk an injury when your position's basically locked yeah. and 
Yeah, so that that's where I come from, uh, having uh, Portland fall and Utah uh, secure that four yeah, seed. Yeah, it's a uh, it's going to be a tough series for Portland to squeak out. Even if they keep the four seed, uh, it, they would still have a tough time getting past Utah. In my right. Opinion, so okay, so that leaves the six, seven, and eight seeds. Which now in both conferences, these are impossible to forecast. But we're doing our best here. So three teams that are vying for each of these three spots are the Clippers, the Thunder, and the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Right, so the first one I want to going to go over is the Oklahoma City schedule because right now Oklahoma City is uh, the seventh seed, but they have the most movement available to them. So if you look at the remaining games that they have, they just beat Minnesota today. Right. They have uh, a game against Houston and the game against Milwaukee left, and you think, holy smokes. That is a tough schedule, except for the fact that those guys are pretty much in their positions and are probably going to be resting guys as well. Yeah, so. Bo- yeah, both of them are locked in. Milwaukee's got home court all the way through, and Houston's going to be that third seed. And these are the game 82s for, yeah. for each of these teams. And we don't need to risk it, another Chris Paul injury. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> Yeah, pretty much any game 82 is out of the question, which is, um, you know, you, you're not going to be playing your starters more than just enough to stretch their legs. Mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes is typically what we well, see. Well, if that, I mean, if, if they don't see their... Uh, uh, their seed changing by you know I mean they'll they maybe they'll be eligible to play but you know who knows if they're even going to make it past the first half of the first quarter depending on how the game's going at that point you know right no exactly so that means now Oklahoma City and LA Clippers are tied at forty seven and thirty three for the six seven spot and then the Spurs are forty seven and thirty four so they're only a half game out that's why these games all really matter the Spurs only have one game left and it's a home game against the Mavericks with playoff implications. I can't see Popovich's team falling. No, games. I think they're going to come out ready. They're going to come out prepared. Pop's going to have a game plan, even though it's uh, going against a team that's really not trying to win anything in, in Dallas. Uh, so, you know, who mm-hmm. knows where their heads are going to be at. I'm sure, you know, maybe there'll be a bit of a push to give Dirk a big final night. Yeah, maybe I could I could easily see that. Plus, the Mavericks are in this really ugly three way tie for like the set, like the fifth seed kind of like sneak into the playoff, uh, sneak into the the, the higher lottery, high lottery picks. Yeah, yeah. So they, they have a little bit of motivation to lose that final game as well. Now the Clippers are the ones that I feel the worst for because right now because of the tiebreaker situation they hold the sixth seed. But they got a game against Golden State. That's game eighty one, not game eighty two. So right. I don't see the Warriors taking everybody off. Uh, plus Boogie is going to play no matter what throughout the season. Right. Uh, just because he's still trying to work his way in. Uh, and then their game eighty two is against a Utah team trying to secure that fifth seed or that fourth seed. So they're facing two teams that aren't going to be taking any nights off. Golden State Warriors in um, the last game in Oracle, and then at home versus the Utah Jazz trying to secure the fourth seed. Can they win either of those games? <laughs> well. It doesn't really look too hopeful. I, I would say trying to win the very last game at Oracle is going to be next to impossible. Yeah. That hope, you know, if Clay wants the crowd behind him, that's going to be the night that they're going to be there. I think, you know, uh, they're going to be completely pumped and ready to go. And you know, Utah is going to just come out too, and they they want they want home court, so they're not going to they're not going to be an easy okay. an easy game at all. All right, so so we're in agreement the way this thing falls then. Uh, the sixth seed will belong, uh, and uh, you get punished for being good in this moment. It'll belong to the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Um, they'll match up against the Houston Rockets. You know, I, I, I'm hoping just somewhere deep inside that we are wrong about the way these are going to fall because I would really much prefer to see the Spurs match up against Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be more ideal. Uh, uh a veteran coach team uh, going up against an inexperienced Denver team, and let's 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 be realists too here. The the records for the number two seed and the number eight seed 
right now, San Antonio sitting at number eight. San Antonio at 47 and 34. Denver at 53 and 26. Their records really aren't that far mm-hmm. apart as you know as far as their seedings no, look like they are. So none of these teams in the West really. There's been no dominance. Mm-hmm. There's just been, I mean, it's been a very level playing field, you know. And yeah. a lot, uh, yeah, know, a lot of parity. Gone are the days we see a 500 team squeak in into the eighth, seventh, or eighth spot, you know. Uh, in the West, anyways. Well, <laughs> you wait till we get to the well, East. Then, well, the it. East, you know, we got we got 500 ball clubs being in the number eight spot. Mm-hmm. Dude, remember when teams used to win like 35 games in the East and make the playoffs? So I mean, yeah. you know, they're coming up too. So hey, hey the Hornets got to make it somehow. Don't hate. <laughs> So uh, it puts Oklahoma City at the 7th seed versus Denver. It puts uh, um, the L.A. Clippers as the 8th seed versus Golden State. Why is it that the Clippers feel like a small market team to me? <laughs> Every time I think about them, I think of them as like a small market team, even though they, they play in Los Angeles. So Well, that's because they don't have their own. Nobody thinks of, you know, Staples as their home court. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's, it's awkward. It's really weird. They're, you know, they're just kind of like the... Redheaded stepchild that like, you know, doesn't really have, yeah, right. have much of a home. <laughs> uh, so you know, fair. which I with all the Steve Ballmer's got to do something. He wants the he wants L.A. the the Clippers to be known as L.A.'s team. Mm-hmm. He wants nothing less than that because you know he is who he is. He's a competitive guy and he he loves he loves yeah. that franchise. And uh, I I do have a feeling he's got some pretty good plans in the future for the organization. So. Yeah, unfortunately, none of them involve moving to Seattle. So, thanks, Steve. Um, he he's uh, he has been he has been working with the city to try to get out of that uh, Staples yeah. Agreement move uh, to a state of the art yeah. arena that he'll he'll build. I don't know the Microsoft Windows Arena or something. Or maybe look at their own uh, branch of LA Fitness. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Channing Fry will be there to play some pickup ball. We have a uh, we have the Eastern Conference showdown. Predicated on uh, four teams that are vying for three spots, so somebody's going to be on the outside looking in. Actually, two people, five teams with with three spots, but one of them's pretty much secured it. So, where we we're going to start with the ones that we have locked in. Milwaukee has already secured the number one seed. Toronto all the way through the finals. Yep, Toronto has secured the number two seed. Philly, the number three seed. The number four seed is uh, possibly secured tonight. With the Celtics versus the Magic game, so if if Boston wins one more game, they've secured the fourth seed. I think those four we can count them. That means the Pacers at five, uh, you we can count that. So six, seven, eight again are going to be up for grabs. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the teams and the schedules that I'm sorry, the teams and the records. So right. uh, yeah, let's hear it. Brooklyn is 41 and 40, currently sitting in the sixth seed. Orlando is 40 and 40. Detroit is 39 and 41. The Heat and Charlotte Hornets, uh, 38 and 42. So these are all the players that we have for these three spots. Brooklyn, at this point, they have one game left. They're in. I don't know where for sure, but right. it feels like they're going to end up at the sixth seed. Yeah, it's it's looking that way, and I think they deserve that spot. You know. Yeah, and I'll say their one game is uh, against the the Miami Heat last game of the season in Brooklyn. They have a really good chance of winning that game. Uh, even if they don't, they can still secure the sixth seed. Yeah, but, but and, and if they do, their matchup against Philly actually looks really good. They split their season series this year, and uh, you know Brooklyn is going to be a, a surprise team. You know, they'll at least at the least you know push Philly further than I think they're going to expect. So. Yeah. Well, you know, they have a they have a legend in the rafters already hanging. So, you know, big ups to Brooklyn. <laughs> we have we have a we have a, a 
kind of a breakdown of the schedule. So we'll start with Miami. They were the one that was the seventh, eighth seed for most of the season, but they've kind of been falling out of favor and falling in, in the standings as well. Yeah. They have two games remaining. Uh, a game against Philly, game 82. Or I'm sorry, game 81 versus Philly. So it's a kind of a crapshoot on who they're going to rest or if they're going to play that out. Yeah. And then the at Brooklyn game. So I actually have them slated losing both of these. Yeah, what's what's, what's tough is no matter what, uh, them getting in is predicated on everybody else losing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever that's the, the the case, I usually give those teams you know that are one, one and a half to two games behind with two to play pretty much zero chance you know to actually squeak in okay so the next the next team to talk about then uh since we're in agreement miami's out sorry Dwayne. uh we won't get to see any more uh yeah, this will be the first year tony parker's missed the playoffs is it really i think so wow that's kind of sad uh so orlando magic uh they they currently have two games left um, they're, they're playing one of the games right now. They're one point behind in the third quarter to the Boston Celtics in Boston. I really do see Boston holding on and winning this game. Uh, and then they come back and they, they have to face the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte for the, for game 82. And I actually have them slated at winning that game, going 41-41. and 41. Do you have a difference on that? No, I don't. I, okay. think th- I think the same thing. I think we're pretty close there. All right. So Detroit... Uh, is currently 39-41, but they have two games. They're back-to-back games, which isn't great, but they're really two teams trying to race to the bottom. Memphis Grizzlies, New York Knicks. Is there is there a scenario in which a playoff team is trying to, to, to secure position is going to lose to either of those two teams? I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Uh, I'm actually... Uh I think uh, Detroit is going to hopefully with these two wins give themselves a little bit of momentum going in. Well, they'll uh, need it. Yeah, they're going to definitely need it going against going against the number one seed Bucks. So yeah, or or, or even to Toronto. So uh, Charlotte Hornets. This is the other team to consider. Now they have a game against Cleveland. In Cleveland, I have them winning that, but I I have them losing the last game of the season against Orlando, leading them on the outside looking in. So if you're in agreement with that, what we're looking at is the Nets at 6, the Pistons at 7, because they own the tiebreaker with the Magic, who fall into 8, because at that point they're both 41-41, and uh, the Pistons own the head-to-head. Right. Yeah, the only thing that I can see that might flip-flop is the 7th and 8th spot, depending on how those games go. Agreed. Uh, but Yeah, I really do think at the end, I think that the Western Conference has more volatility to change from where we've outlined this than, than where we're at for, yeah. uh, for this. I still think these are the teams. But it could be Pistons or Orlando. Yeah, no, the uh, from four through eight still has chances of moving around in the West. So, yeah. all right. So then I want to just jump right into it and dedicate the rest of this podcast to what we think these matchups look like. So, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of breezed through the the first half of this uh, half of this show to, to 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 live in this moment. So let's just start with the easiest one all to right. call. How do you feel about Warriors Clippers? Why well, I, I really wish it really makes me wish that the first round of the playoffs are five games. Why? <laughs> why? Why make us the, the four games of this? It's going to be four. because of the Kimbe Mutombo. That's it's, why. Yeah, it's going to be quick. You know, I, I, you know, hats off to a really good season for the Clippers, who incredibly overperformed, but it, they are not going to stand a chance against the number one seed if that ends up being the matchup. Yeah, this is a sweep. That's all it is. Uh, so for the Clippers, they're backing into the playoffs. They'll have lost their last four. And uh, to, to slide into this eight seed if it plays out the way it is, uh, and in that four, in that four games, one of the losses will be to the LA Lakers. <clears throat> now, here's a question for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. I'm gonna put you on the spot. All right, sure. and then I'm gonna own it as well. Can you name the starting five to the LA Clippers? 
Uh, I think I know more players on the bench mob for the Clippers than I do the starting lineup. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Gallinari's been playing well all year. Uh, but most of uh, uh, what the rookie with the two last names, I can uh, never remember his name. I always call him SGA. Yeah. Shea exactly. Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Uh, but I, whenever I watch the Clippers Clippers play, I usually focus on Harrell and uh, and Sweet Lou coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of like the reason that that team is actually where they're at. So so I had no idea. No. I knew Gallinari was a starter. Patrick Beverly Patrick, was a starter. Patrick Beverly. Yeah. He's the, and that was it. I didn't know, I didn't know if Shea Gilgis was starting or not. There needs to be – yeah, he is. He, yeah. He's starting it too. There needs to be some sort of award for guys like Patrick Beverly. There really <laughs> does. I mean, like, they're, you know, like the the toughest dog in the fight or some kind of yeah. award. You know what I mean? Can we call it the Bruce Bowen Award? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> the, the little trophies are like a bow tie on a stick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd be, so it'd be t- like the Tony Allen Award. Yeah. You know, those yeah. kind of players. They're, like, that that has to be a thing. I mean, there's, it's it's a lost art, and when these and it's the most underappreciated thing. And and yeah. Patrick Beverly is like, you know, he's he's the motivator for a lot of those guys. You know, they see him make a tough play on the defensive end, and uh, you know that really that's part of the reason that's you know the Clippers have been kind of propelled to where they are because they're they play hard because they see Beverly play so hard. Yeah. Uh. Agreed. Uh, you know, I think I think he's handing off the baton now that he's getting older to uh, Marcus Smart, and he'll carry that for a while. Yeah. So here, here's the starting five: SGA, Patrick Beverly, Gallinari, who's injured right now, so they, uh, I think Shamit's starting. Uh, Wilson Chandler, I didn't know that, and uh, Zubox. Zubox. Yeah, I knew Zubox was starting. Yes, I didn't even uh, I didn't even think that he could he could cut it on that team. I had to look that up. I had three of five. That's how. That's how. I don't want to say meaningless, but it's kind of meaningless. The the Clippers are going to be in this matchup. Well, it's hard too. Like literally, I I saw them play once this year, and they don't get a lot of national TV mm-hmm. shine. And no, because they're a small market team. Yeah, <laughs> small market LA. Maybe they're in a suburb. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So a key key to watch in this game for me is will the four or five games uh, be enough for the the Warriors to get back to playing real basketball and put all the petty chemistry laden problems aside, right? Like the arguing with the refs and yeah, the, the I, I, bickering. I'm, I'm almost more interested to watch the refs. Right. That, so that's that's my key on this series is um, I feel like the refs will take a, sh- a couple shots at them in the first couple of games oh, yeah. just to put them in their place. How do they respond? Can they and and can they put their act together for this playoff run? Because right now Everything I saw this regular season was some some backbiting and right. bad attitude, well, and and well, that doesn't that doesn't hold up. Yeah, well, what the hell is wrong with your team when you have DeMarcus Cousins like separating people being a peacemaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what's what's going on there? Like that shouldn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the next series, I mean, we're I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the Warriors Clippers, no. and I really feel like I'm, no. I'm I'm glossing over their accomplishments. We'll to, just sweep it right out the thing. door. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Denver OKC. That's gonna be fun. This I have chips sitting in front of me for this reason, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I'm going to be doing the whole time. ASMR podcast. Hey, any, anybody listening uh, that wants to take a guess and win a free bag of chips, if you can tell me what brand and flavor that was, I will send them to you. We have an amazing matchup to watch because you have you have showboaters with bad attitudes 
and a chip on their shoulder versus a bunch of first-time playoff people who play the game in a very team-oriented fashion. Mm-hmm. This is, to me, going to be a riveting matchup. It's going to be fun. It's going to be... Uh it's going to be that thing that we look for, a really good, solid uh, team uh, that shares the ball, that, you know, isn't doesn't have one main superstar. You know, every night they, they you know, anybody in their starting lineup can end up, you know, leading the team in scoring at any given night for these guys. They are a pretty well-balanced team with Jokic being, you know, a bit of a standout um, against two superstars uh, in uh, Westbrook and Paul George. And you know it's playoff time. Superstars are when they take over. You uh, you have a short rotation. You know, usually eight guys, and uh, you know it, it's not a favorable matchup really for Denver at the number two to have to face a team like Oklahoma City at seven because Oklahoma City is a team that can one catch fire incredibly quick, and you know Denver won't have the experience to put that out. And you know again, we're a superstar orientated league. At this point, we don't want it to be that way. Mm-hmm. We want to we want to see it, you know, go more like teams like Denver. But you know, it's still it is what it is, and those, uh, you know, Denver's going to have a really tough go in the first round. I think so too. Here, here's here's what I think is going to be the most interesting factor. Like we talked about, the the limited playoff experience for the the Denver cast is what scares me. So you have. Isaiah Thomas has got some playoff experience, but he's he's more just like a when he can play, he's a bench player. <laughs> no, he's, you, yeah, well, they're not. He's completely out of the rotation. It's yeah. Know. So when you when you're looking at the people that can cause an impact on that game, it's really Paul Millsap, and Paul Millsap hasn't had like a deep resume of playoff experience. Uh, he's the one that's going to help temper some of the some of the jitters that happen early on. So right. we've we've seen Jokic get really upset in games uh, when people start He's been losing it a lot lately he and has. uh it's it's been interesting. You know, he seems like a pretty even keeled guy, but I think with the stuff that he went through in the beginning of the season where something was bothering him and he could tell by the way that he was playing, he wasn't quite himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's probably a little bit more emotional than we've been kind of led to believe in the last few seasons. Yeah. And I, I think I it just that. kind of he shows it on the court more now and it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be interesting. So here's what worries me about that, though. This is a seven-game series against a team that has had some really tough playoff matches. I mean, yeah, I get that Paul George is kind of a new addition, but Steven Adams has been through the trenches against just about anybody. And Steven Adams is going to be on Jokic for seven games if it goes to seven. The the key there is for Adams to stay out of foul trouble, and that's going to be key to that matchup. Yep. So how does... uh, how, how does the Denver coaching staff adjust to um, uh, strategy, right? Like, we, we see this happen with younger teams. They're afraid to move away from what's always worked. Right. And then they end up losing the series because they don't make the adjustments halfway through the series that they need. Because we're going to see a lot of double teams and traps that happen on these younger players forcing judgment decisions. Uh, Westbrook and Paul George and Steven Adams all have deep playoff experience. You're not going to rattle them. I feel like the the Nuggets can get rattled. Out of any of the matchups, this, to me, is the one most ripe for upset if Russell Westbrook doesn't try to play hero ball. Well, I think uh, so long as they do focus on Westbrook, uh, they, they need to... Focus on those guys and try to let the other guys beat them. You know, the other guys, uh, they they have a lot of a lot of younger guys who like Grant and and uh, <coughs> Robertson who likes to take ill advised shots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be key to make sure that you 
don't let the two superstars go off. Yeah. And try to let the, the younger guys on the Oklahoma City team actually try to, to beat them that way. So. Yeah, I agree. So so another another key takeaway, I think, when you're looking at not even a key takeaway, just, just a question to keep in the back of your mind. Why is it that every single season we always feel like uh, Oklahoma City – isn't performing to what they're capable of. Have you have you bought into this too? Like I, I always look at this and I'm like, yeah, they're a seven seed. They're a better team than that. Uh, last year, oh, they're a better team than that. At some point, when can we just say they're not a better team than that? This is who they are. Russell Westbrook is always going to keep you cemented down a little bit because he's he's going to cost <laughs> Oklahoma City at least one game this series. Well, we think that uh, when we bring in a guy like Paul George, that team is going to to really perform, and they, with the addition of Melo too, but. You're putting all of these guys who really have never had good runs on a team together. Mm-hmm. You know, this year, you know, with Melo being gone, thank goodness, you know, it's just Westbrook and George together, and neither of them have made deep runs into the playoffs, but we think that. Well, the, Westbrook, well Westbrook has been to the, the yeah, panels. but that was it. Yeah. And then they made it that one year, but that was a long time ago, too. Mm-hmm. And. That's why, because they had those expectations because they made the finals that year. And, and so, keep, keep in mind, three MVPs were on that team. People don't give enough credit to how great that team was with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and well, that was like Pika Baca too. He was mm-hmm. really, really solid. Um, that was a very good team. Stephen Adams with no beard. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, kudos to um, to to Thunder management for that for that James Harden trade. You know, bringing in Kevin Martin that was that was a prime that was a prime move. Wasn't there? Wait, wasn't there another Jersey retired too? Did I'm you see this? On this? Didn't the Thunder retire Nick Collison's jersey? Oh yeah, they retired it a <laughs> while ago. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, you know, they got to put something up there. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, the matchup. I know that you're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of traction for. Um, Houston Rockets at three, <sighs> San Antonio Spurs at six. It doesn't look good. This is where I hope we're wrong. I would, like I said earlier, I'd really rather see San Antonio face Denver. But should it fall to uh, them playing against Houston, I really can't give them much of a shot. Maybe a game. Um, and this hurts coming from a diehard Spurs guy. Um, but you know, th- it's. Just honestly, making the playoffs this year for the Spurs has kind of been an accomplishment because the first half of the season, people were counting them out left and right. And is this the year? Is this the year that it's not going to happen? And and pretty much everybody across the board was saying they weren't going to make it. Granted, what what hurts me still is this is like the uh, second season in a row that the Spurs haven't won 50 games. And I hope that <laughs> doesn't continue to trend. Well, they won like 50 games, like 17 seasons in a row or something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it was a good run, and uh, you know, there's—I don't want to be one of those guys where I say there's always next year because uh, next year's not looking so good. <laughs> but uh, so, so here, here's some things I want to—I want you to think about. Right. I'm going to give you a little slivers of hope. Okay? Do you know? Do you know who has the second best record uh, in the West? Best home record in the West? San Antonio Spurs. Hmm? Only, um, only the Denver Nuggets have a better home record. Yeah, right. but San Antonio also starts the series on the road, and the road record is not very good. Yeah, they're the only. Here's the other fun fact: they're the only team out of the Western Conference in the playoffs with a losing road record. So, the good news is they're not going to get swept or get. You know, I don't think this is a five game, a four or five game series. You're going to actually get a little bit of traction out of this. It's just all they have to do is 
is hold home, and, I, and they've done a really good job. They could force a seven just just by playing Spurs basketball. They yeah. could force a seven. Yeah, well, no, that's that's more hopeful than I think I I could be <laughs> on it. You know, and you know, it's it's an interesting matchup, and in you know, I think that a lot of teams have gotten a good read on how to play Harden a little bit better this last week. I saw a pretty cool video on like how Milwaukee. Uh, forced his struggles and the way that they guarded him and just completely forcing his right hand the entire game yeah. and then causing wait, him to drive. Wait, wait a minute. We waited this many years for somebody to figure out to force James Harden to the right? Well, uh, the thing is, <laughs> no, no, that, that's, that's part one. That's just part one. Everybody will guard his right hand. But they were extremely going to the right. Uh, like They were playing him so far on his left side, they were like facing him perpendicularly. And giving him that entire lane, and what they were doing was they were uh, Milwaukee was having Brooke Lopez not completely commit to him, but enough to get in his way and not take Stephen Adams uh, mm-hmm. or not Stephen Adams, uh, uh, yeah, Clint Capella? No, Clint Capella out of his uh, out of his sight, and so they they did a good job of nullifying lobs that way because that's what Harden will love to do when mm-hmm. he drives to the hole is throw up lobs to Capella. So it made him think about shooting, and also he got in the way of the lobs, mm-hmm. and they didn't fully collapse the defense, and uh, so, and it was a pretty smart strategy. And they ended up, you know, getting blocks from behind on him when he was trying to drive and shoot. And so good. so uh, in my shameless attempt to always bring the Lakers up into our every podcast, even though we promised our listeners we wouldn't. You, you know, I got to bring up this the isn't Lakers. even a running shtick, but it just seems to end up happening. It does. So this conversation we actually had like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe. Uh, remember that? Remember the Lakers game uh, when when LeBron and company were still trying. James Harden ended up getting that um, that charge call. I want to say he got a charge call, right? Driving yeah. in, yeah. and he got really upset. Mm-hmm. They were guarding him the same exact way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give LeBron James credit for this because of his brilliant basketball mind. He's the reason why everybody can figure out how to stop James Harden now. All right, coach of the year, coach of the year, LeBron James, GM of the year next year. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think that near the end of the season. The, the, the byproduct, uh, an unfortunate byproduct for the Rockets, is that when you floored it with James Harden all year long, every play went through James Harden, it was just endless uh, film for people to break down what right. works and what doesn't work. And now you put him in a spot where I think he could be vulnerable. Well, the, the, another chance that the Spurs might have in taking a couple of games, maybe even pushing it to the seven that you said, is that he's got to be tired, man. James Harden's got to be running to the ground by now. I think so. He hasn't had too much load management this year, and you know he's he's been playing a ton of minutes, putting up a ton of shots. He's been working a little bit more than he's you know historically known to do on defense, and uh, he is you know more than half of their offense. So, so I'll say this: James Harden. Doesn't he have a reputation of flaming out in the playoffs? Because, yeah, like, just having games where he just looks like he's done? Maybe, but, I mean, he's getting ran harder than a Dallas Cowboys running back. <laughs> um, I was going to make an Emmett Smith reference, but I think we could make a Ezekiel Elliott reference as well on yeah. that. So, well, pretty much all of them. <laughs> so Give them three years, then you're gone. <laughs> so, he, he already has a predisposition for this. Last season... Uh, that game seven against the Warriors. The season before that, it was the game six against uh, maybe the Warriors. I can't even remember who it was against. Yeah, yeah. Where well, he just he just breaks down and just like he, three of twenty. Yeah, and that was just from three. <laughs> so, so the, the I, I'm with you on that. Um, I can't even tell you honestly where where Chris Paul is. Is he hurt? Is he is he playing? Is he partially hurt? Like I I'm not tracking him this season. 
he's I don't know he's he's been all right. They haven't mentioned it. They haven't mentioned that he's looked like he's straining. He's just a, a lot of it is his performance while steady is kind of being outshined by what Harden's doing. I mean, he's still putting up halfway decent numbers, but um you know, again, Chris I'm used to Chris Paul though leading the league in assists and mm-hmm. scoring maybe 21, 22 points a game. We're not there anymore, but he also doesn't have to be there and he's he's doing a good job of running the ship when he plays but uh he's doing a whole lot of deferring he's uh, harden is bringing up the ball more and and handling it a lot more than uh initially when those two first got together yeah no like, for, for like, sure like their their usage is kind of flip-flopped a little bit and uh you know mm-hmm. you know he i don't think that he's hurt you know no more than anybody else is at the end of the season you know, more no more than a history uh, player with a history of injury problems. It probably has tons of nagging things going on, but that's just the NBA season. Yeah. Everybody's hurt, but okay. So your call is Houston on this. My call is as well. We both had Golden State. Did you have Denver beating OKC, or were you calling the upset? Oh, I, I think Denver can squeak it out. Yeah, but I don't think that it's going to be even close to as easy as a 2-7 matchup normally is historically. So Agreed. I, I think it could go 6 or 7. Oh, yeah. I think Denver's strong at home. I think the young players will respond at home. And I think that there's going to be one game that Russell Westbrook costs Oklahoma City, right. and that's going to be the difference. Do you remember a couple of years ago when like every series in the first round except for one went seven games? Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. It was it was the craziest thing in the world. Everybody was going seven, and uh, you know we can only hope for something like that. Yeah, like would... really competitive games, and it looks like you know when we have a West the way that we do from the top to bottom, I think we will have a lot of competitive series. Yeah, outside of the one eight, I think I think any of these could go could yeah. go seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, by the way, that was the only one that didn't go. No, <laughs> it's the Western Conference one eight matchup. Nice. <laughs> So this one, um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this matchup just because we, we cover Portland in depth. But Utah versus Portland, what I will say is a podcast or two ago I said the worst-case scenario for Portland is facing Utah in the first round. This is even worse than that because I assumed that they were going to be the four-seed home court. They're still facing Utah first round, but now looks like they're going to start on the road. Yeah. Uh, you know, Portland's big chance, and it hasn't happened for them in the past, is they just need their star backcourt to get hot. And that's going to be their shot. You know, having uh, uh, good signs from guys like uh, uh, Zach Collins off the bench, filling in, making good minutes, playing good, solid defense, Mm -hmm. and uh, hitting from the outside. I think he just had his career high the other night. Uh, That was, granted, that was 16, but it's promise, and he's showing a lot more confidence. Uh, Jake Lehman has been, uh, been really good off the bench for him. So guys are stepping up. But they need Lillard and McCollum to be hot. Otherwise, they have no shot. Yeah. So I feel like last year's Portland Trailblazers team was better than this team. And they still got worked in the playoffs. I don't think that they were better if they were all healthy. No, yeah. No, I mean, what we're putting out on the court now. Going into the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not trying to be snotty about it at all. I'm just saying. I I don't think when the playoffs start that McCollum is going to be close to 100% Mm -hmm. either. And that's going to be tough. And, you know, I know he wants to play, I think, for tonight. He's questionable, like we said earlier. But, you know, it's, Utah's too tough. They, they've they been healthy. Um, Donovan Mitchell has, uh, 
he's had another good season. I wish his shooting percentage was a little bit higher, but uh, he still had some incredible games, and he's still a pleasure to watch. He's one of my uh, most favorite guys in the league to watch. Um, and Rudy Gobert holding down the middle for them is it's going to be a really, really tough tough for Portland to get to the hoop. Uh, you know, one of Portland's strengths is Damian Lillard cutting to the lane, you know, just scoring, getting crazy layups on everybody. Uh, I guess he's going to have to work his outside game a little bit more because the Stifle Tower is going to be there the whole time. So Yeah, I really just see him getting worked in a, in, you know, in a, you, this Utah team is better than the Pelicans, and the Pelicans worked a, a better Blazers team. I really see this being a short series, sadly. I see yeah. it being a, a five-game, six-game at best series. So I want to move to the Eastern Conference, but I want to say that we've already got a, a, a change to what we were doing. The Orlando Magic are going on a crazy run right now. They're up 13 with Whoa. nine minutes left. They were just down nine last time. Yeah. Right? That is crazy. Yeah, so so they've they've gone on a, on a tear, nine minutes. They're up 13. I'm going to go ahead and call this a Magic win, which dramatically shifts everything. So, uh, sorry for having to change this on the fly, listeners, but Brooklyn, an estimated 42 and 40, no longer holds the sixth seed. Orlando Magic... Um, the tiebreaker is held by by Orlando, so Orlando's uh, going to sh- project out to be forty two and forty as well now, which moves them into the sixth seed. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? Magic. Uh, that pushes the Pistons to the eighth seed, and it puts the Nets at the seventh seed. So, uh, um, wow. So now, yeah, this is wild. So now we're looking at a Milwaukee Bucks, Detroit Pistons first round matchup. Very little travel time. <laughs> Very little. I think they're all going to take their own cars to the game. I think so. I think so. Oh, this, this, so Milwaukee, Orlando was not exciting for me. But Milwaukee, Detroit? That's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun I, game to watch. You know, I, I really love what Detroit has done this season. They've had their ups and downs. But Blake is having the best season of his career. And gosh, man, he he hasn't. He hasn't really lost a step, even though his game is completely different. He's been mm-hmm. able to be more effective as he's gotten older, as he's gone away from the highlight dunks or thrunks or whatever they were, and really become this crazy all-around player at 6'10 and stacked. He brings the ball up the court half the time. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's got career highs and assists. His points are up. You know, we all thought Blake was done. Yeah, yeah we know, really we did. We thought he was just tossed aside by the clips. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be, I mean, they probably don't have much of a shot, Mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be a lot more fun to watch. Having Drummond in there in the middle, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson has been, you know, as as much as Detroit has been doing whatever they can to have somebody interested in taking him, uh, (laughs) he's actually had a pretty solid year this year too. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that one a lot more. Yeah, me too. Uh, a heck of a lot more. I still call Milwaukee in this game. Sounds like you do as well. Yeah. But here's something to really think about. Andre Drummond, underrated defender. Like, oh. he used to be a... a, a cons- he used to a, a, be... We used to talk about him as, you know, top defender in the league, yeah. leading the league in rebounds consistently and really... Uh, doing a good job clocking up the middle for for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, so he's done nothing to to change that except learn how to shoot free throws, and yet he still doesn't get any credit. Uh, Blake Griffin, another big guy. I feel like when you look at the lineup for Milwaukee, they're going to really have to rely on outside shooting from Middleton and uh, 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 the point guard that we – George Hill. These guys are going to have to be the difference makers because I think Giannis is going to have a lot more struggles Mm -hmm. dominating the inside against – 
the, uh, an Andre Drummond anchored defense with, with Blake Griffin right. there to help out. That's, uh, that's a really and, tall yeah, order. See, a lot of times, Antetokounmpo is not used to having guys who are as quick and as strong mm-hmm. as he is on him. And uh, and if anybody can match him with that, you know, the the two big guys in Detroit, you know, they're they are very strong down there. And, and Blake still, he's, he's still got a little quickness in him. So. Yep. so I say this is a six-game series. No game decided by more than ten points. Uh, I'd say that's pretty fair. Okay. Uh any other takeaways, or, or you're ready to move on to the next series? I'm ready to move on. Next series, but, well, we didn't really talk too much about the Bucks and how special they are. Okay, like they are, uh, they're anchored by our pick uh, for MVP this year, uh, Chris Middleton. <laughs> uh, Chris Middleton is a guy that we kind of poked fun at as being an all-star, but, you know, I don't think we give him enough credit for how good he is and how good of an all-around wing player that he actually is. And, uh, you know, their their bench has been deep. Their bench has been solid all year. And, uh, again, it's that team ball. They have their one main main guy in Giannis, mm-hmm. but they, they, again, Giannis has guys around him that even when he's having a tough game, you know, uh, Giannis can help them win by getting them the ball and be assured that, you know, he's got guys on his team that can make plays and he can, you know, he, they're, they're yeah. great from top to bottom. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, he stood to shoot from outside. Giannis is starting to shoot from outside a little bit more to expand his game, which is really positive. Uh, he gets to the foul line a lot in a league where – these superstars are getting mad because they're not going to the line a lot. Somehow Giannis is still converting from the, the, the and ones and getting to the line. Well, he was uh, – like, did you hear Shaq talk about him this week? Did no, I don't listen to Shaq. Uh, well, it was on Shaq's podcast, and apparently Shaq is – He has a podcast? Yeah, he has a podcast. I could imagine his podcast sounding a lot like the Ron Burgundy podcast. Uh, it's called Diesel Fuel. No, I, no, I don't <laughs> – no, it's, it's not called that, but it really should be, you know? Like, just if you hear that, you know, yeah. it's, it's a – it's a good name. You can have it. No, uh, no, we can't. Uh, he was, we can buy it. He was saying that we uh, bills to pay. <laughs> that at this age, uh, Giannis is twenty four. Twenty four. I think Something. he said twenty four, twenty five. That Giannis is better than he was when he was that age. Oh, I, yeah. This, this I, don't, I didn't I hear don't, from Shaq directly, but I think I don't, maybe you I and don't, I talked about this. I don't believe that. Uh, I think you know Shaq is being a little bit gracious or just flat out lying, um, but it. It is a good endorsement, and they compared their numbers, and pretty much they were pretty even down the down the board uh, for for where they're at as far mm-hmm. as scoring. I think Giannis actually scored like one more point than him or something no, like that okay. at that age. Um, but uh, keep in mind too, Shaq played a lot more in college. Three years, so I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, so by the time he was twenty four, he was only a second year player. Yeah. Uh, but. You know that's that's pretty good kudos from a guy like Shaq to say that that Giannis is that dominant of a player. And yeah. Well, I, and again, Coach Bud needs to get a lot of credit for unlocking this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the same almost the entire. I mean, George Hill, I think, was a good well, you addition. Know, but you know why they're so well rounded, right? No. Where did Coach Bud come from? Oh, shut up! <laughs> oh, you're just you're hopeless sometimes. You know that. Uh, Dude, so, hey, so, those pop disciples, man, I'm telling you. Uh, okay, uh, Mike Brown, explain that one. Okay, here's how about this. <laughs> it's not so much Mike Brown as these teams. <laughs> Mike Brown's always seems to have a job. Where is he now? He's an assistant. <laughs> so, number two versus number seven. 
Toronto Raptors <laughs> right. versus New Jersey Nets. Sorry, Brooklyn Nets. Oof. I say that too, and my oldest son is like, who's New Jersey? <laughs> There's no team in New Jersey. Uh, you know, congratulations, Brooklyn, for making it to the playoffs. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, thank you for a great year, but... You know, Philly's got too much firepower, uh, even if there's you know, no firepower coming from the one spot. This is a four-game sweep. Yeah. Now, this isn't even – to me, this isn't even interesting to watch. This is going to be D'Angelo Russell getting embarrassed, the Brooklyn Nets trying to figure out who they're recruiting in. What are the odds of Jimmy Butler uh, um, moving uh, – what, what is it, like 80 miles north, whatever, northwest – that I mean, this, that, this is just an ugly game. They're an ugly series. Yeah. T- Toronto will will just wipe the floor with this Nets team. Who nobody on that team is impressive. And D'Angelo Russell did have a good season. And I know that Caris 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 Levert Caris Levert right had a really cool story and then a really cool comeback to that story. Right. I think I just totally because uh, I'm looking at uh, different. <laughs> Like the actual standings as they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a comment about uh, the one spot from the Philadelphia 76ers because that's what the match, the current matchup is. So I did not, I'm not trying to say, like, I, I, I made a mistake talking about Philly instead of talking about Toronto. Mm. Uh, because they're in my oh, picture, they're matched mean. up against the Nets. Yeah. There's there's a little bit of firepower coming out of the one spot for Toronto. Okay, sorry about that. You know, I like Carl Lowry quite a bit uh, as kind of a roller coaster of a season as he's had, uh, but uh, yeah, Orlando. Uh, I'm sorry, New Jersey does not stand a chance nope. against Toronto. Brooklyn. <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, it's a four. It's a four gamer. Counted in. This is going to be the Raptors just just dialing it in and getting getting it uh, even warmed well, up. This is your team, round. right? Yeah, this is yeah, my this still, is my you're final still pulling team for them all the way. Yeah, I have them beating the Warriors now. I will buy. Uh, I will buy the pizza. We'll we'll put the party together for the Toronto Raptors game six victory over the Golden State well, Warriors. Nobody talks about the fact that Kawhi's averaging like twenty seven points a game this year. He, nobody talks about him at all. Yeah, this no, was this was an MVP Defensive Player of the Year he's, candidate. He's scoring twenty seven and he's being overshadowed in the media by uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah, well, rightfully so. Kawhi's doing what's expected and. Siakam is like uh, yeah, turning into a, a number Kawhi two option. Kawhi has been considered, you know, top two or three in the league for the last three years. Right, and uh, you know that's that's something to say if you're being uh, you're getting overshadowed by you know a young teammate like Siakam. Yeah, so. and, and he's kept his mouth quiet, and nobody gave him credit for this. Like, and I know that you're not a big a big fan of his anymore. But when he was in when he was in San Antonio, he kept his head down. He just played basketball. He didn't get into the media and, and jaw like like a, a Joel Embiid or any of these players. He had his injury. He had his falling out, which really it, it blackened his eye, and it made him seem like one of these petulant crybaby players. But at the end of the day, he's not one of those guys. They no, I think, go, I think now Kawhi can just kind of look back and laugh at it, even though we don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the number three, number six matchup has changed. Now we have Philadelphia – Versus Orlando, could there be anything more boring to watch in playoff basketball than a 76ers Orlando Magic matchup? Well, probably not. Okay. Uh, I you know Vucevic, very very talented. Uh, I really like Aaron Gordon's game. Do you really? 
Well, I like I like his highlights. Okay. I'll say that. Yeah, he he actually started shooting a lot better from the outside this year, so he stepped up in that in that respect. But um Wow, this is this is just no shot. No, not this at all. This is no shot. This is just a, a simple numbers game that caused Orlando to flip up this high in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think they were just in they were in the number nine spot for, less for than a, a week time. ago. Yeah, yeah, they, and, they've just been uh, climbing and climbing. Now, I'll say this about the Magic: it's though. part of it's their schedule, and you know the teams they've played also, you know, not being at full power. And, yeah. Yeah, they caught fire at the right time, but they've also done it. They're the number three oh, since the All Star break. They're the number three defensive uh, team in the league, so they're winning in, in a way that's a lot harder to quantify. And, and it, it's it's kind of like how Virginia is now in the championship game. They just play so dog ugly, and Orlando playing right. uh, very similar basketball. It's just dog ugly basketball. The problem is when you get when you play dog basketball, you catch people on back to backs. You catch people on four on, right. on the fifth game and four or. Fourth game and fifth nights yeah. or whatever, you catch you just catch the breaks. When you go into a series, especially against a team like Philadelphia with a Jimmy Butler, with a, a Joel Embiid, and to a lesser extent, a Ben Simmons. Who I, I'm not on the Ben Simmons train. I think he's he's mediocre. He hasn't he hasn't shown even close to what his potential should have been at this point in his career. Right, he hasn't made a jump. He made a no, skip or two, he but had, he hasn't made he a had, jump. No, his stats are, like, identical across the board, and we haven't said anything. It's even pointed out how little improvement that he's made constantly, not just by media and people talking about it, but by players in the court just taunting him, basically, by sagging in the key and daring him to shoot all year. They didn't even do that last year. This year, they're just daring him to shoot. Go ahead, fire away. You know who it reminds me of when I see that? It reminds me of that uh, Rondo when he was a Celtic, and they're like, how do we guard him? Oh, just leave Rondo completely open and double team uh, Paul Pierce yeah. <laughs> or Ray Allen at the at the at the top. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, out of this matchup, what's really interesting is Philadelphia has the best Magic player in the last ten years. Really? Yeah, JJ Redick. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Dude, you know that he's a, a lost guy on that team, but. I gotta say, they would be nowhere without JJ Redick, man. JJ Redick still—he's uh, a lot of their scoring. Even last year, nobody even brought up the fact that JJ Redick was their number two scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. he was averaging almost eighteen points a game, and uh, he's still deadly. He's—he's he's been around for a, such a long time now, and gosh, man, his jumper is still so pure and so pretty. Yep, it's and good his, like even fading away, turning around, you see how perfectly he squares up and like, if, you know, when I'm teaching my kids how to shoot, that's an example that I'm going to give them. Yeah. I'll say this about Philadelphia. Two things. Number one, the process worked. So, can we go back and apologize uh, to, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh. Hinky, Sam, yeah, Sam Hinky. Can we go back and apologize for how badly he was treated on his way out of the 76ers? The league had to step in yeah. and get him fired. Give him the boot. And then, you know, Colangelo hasn't done much of a better job. Well, he's gone now, too, because of the yeah. whole... Uh, well, yeah, but I'm saying yeah. we have, you know, the the changes that he's made there, you know, currently. Now now we have Elton Brand. And I think Elton Brand's which is, doing uh, it's nice to see uh, a smart ex-player who you know he, he's a he was a he was a guy who actually played with his head. He was mm-hmm. never a, a super athletic guy. He was a smart player, and it's a shame that he got hurt by injuries and stuff like that. Because uh, I mean, what he was playing what last season? He got picked up for a short contract, didn't he? Uh, I don't think I don't, it, it was about two years now. Oh yeah, two, yeah, two yeah, years. Yeah, two years. So uh, he's still fresh in the game. He knows a lot of these guys. He knows personnel, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, you know he's 
he's going to be, you know, even should Butler walk, and I, th- I think, I think Philly is still an attractive place for people to to wind up, even if it's these, you know, mid salary guys who are going to come in and fill the spots of, you know, guys on current, you know, on their last year of their contracts, yeah, you know, who p- could potentially leave. I don't think they're going to fall off next year at all. Yeah, I, I really think Jimmy Butler's going to come back on a on a super max. I think Tobias Harris will come back on a max contract, and uh, I think they're just committing to this team for the next five years. And and I think it's a good team to commit to because uh, you know, Tobias Harris, also a former Orlando Magic man. You know, if the Magic would have just kept their players, um, he's 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 a real solid um, number three option on that team for scoring mm-hmm. after Embiid and Butler, and it takes a little bit of the pressure off Ben Simmons. Well, it does, uh, and Tobias Harris actually does a lot of the ball handling too, mm-hmm. uh, and. How do you how do you guard the perimeter when two of your primary ball handlers are six ten? Like, what do you do with that? Well, you only have to guard one of them. Well, you, you got to stop <laughs> you got to stop Ben Simmons from going to the hole. So, yeah. uh, I mean, there's there's still that he's effective there. He's effective in the post and he's effective driving and dishing. So, but, so uh, yeah, so I I'm a big fan. I also feel like chemistry's on this team. So uh, last night, JJ Redick falls to the ground, hurts his elbow. Uh, you expect a teammate. And I get it. Joel Embiid is kind of a goofball. And he's a little bit of a troll, which I don't like, and I think he'll grow out of that. But he's also really playful, and he's a really good teammate to have. Right. So he helps, uh, he helps J.J. Redick up off the, off the court, and it doesn't end there. J.J. Redick is pulling, pulls his sleeve off his elbow because he, he, he hurt his elbow in that moment. You know what Joel Embiid did? He kissed it. <laughs> like, at that point, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to do, but that means, like, that that means you have something positive in your locker room. If right. you're, if your players are willing to do if that, if you're that comfortable with each other, yeah, you're doing like, something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I like that, and that you know, and that's kind of a reflection it, it of Brett sh- Brown too. It shows a much better side of him than we're used to, also, because again, he puts out a lot of neg- negativity when he's talking about you know guys on opposite teams, which I don't like it on Twitter, and I don't like the fact that I, I would rather him just come out. And, you know, in an interview, just say it and call somebody out like back in the day or stories of like when Michael Jordan would go over to somebody's locker room and, and say, like, yeah, who's guarding me tonight? You know, something like that. I would rather hear stories about that than him just typing something on Twitter. I think maybe that's where my disconnect is. Yeah. And yeah, maybe it's an age thing with us, but yeah. I feel the exact same way. Um, you know, if, uh, since we're talking trash, the. And now, keep in mind, Gary Payton did a great job at it in the middle of the game. Like he just really, really get people's head. You know who I like the best? The trash talker that I like the best Who's that? was Larry Brown. Or I'm sorry, not Larry, Larry Brown. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Brown would talk <laughs> as well, but but not nearly as. Are you, I, I think I know a story you're going to tell, but if you go ahead, if you want, or how he talked trash the way he did it. Yeah. So so. Um, now, Larry Bird. If unless you've been living in the cave, you know Larry Bird was a white basketball player. Larry Bird would get. Furious if they had the white guy guard Larry Bird, and he would he would talk sh- crap. I almost almost dropped a, a Larry Bird word there. He would talk crap and and humiliate the white player guarding him, acting like he's wide open. They, they don't they don't have anybody on me. They don't have anybody on me. I'm wide open. I'm wide open. They won't even put anybody on me. And the other guy's like, I'm right here, man. <laughs> that to me, like. In a, in a time when when there was still a, a racial element to basketball, right. I think that doesn't exist today. But but there was definitely like a white uh, player versus black player kind of mentality with the fans at least. Right. Um, to have Larry Bird be so upset, and it wasn't like just jawing at somebody. He would literally get furious if they didn't put the best player on him, and then, and then like they put the quote unquote token white guy is what they would do uh, on him. 
And he would just, yeah, Brad Lowhouse guarding Larry Bird would cause Larry Bird to go into a fit and just destroy them. So, um, Can I talk a minute about trash talking, too? Yeah. It was an interesting story about Gary Payton, and you might like to hear this. And it was he was talking uh, in an interview on ESPN about, uh, you know, what kind of things were off limits, you know, as far as talking on the court, you know, and he's like, nothing. Nothing. I talk about everything. He was like, I would talk about you know your game. I would talk about the fact that you got nothing. I would talk about your mama. I would talk about your daddy. I would talk about your grandmother. He was like to one guy. I kept talking about his mom. I kept talking, and it was uh, Lamar Odom, mm. and he kept talking about his mom and mom this and like blah blah blah. And by the end of the game, I guess uh, Lamar Odom's agent went to Gary Payton's agent and said Lamar Odom is very upset and emotional in the locker room because you tormented him with all that mama stuff all game long and his mom had just died. Oh. Wait, and he said, but he was like, you know, he felt bad, but he was also didn't really feel remorseful to it because that's how he got people out of their game. And it was like, <laughs> oh, man. The, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But the only, the only person that he was really – he found out that he couldn't talk trash to was John Stockton. Do you know about this? No. Because uh, he would jabberjaw John Stockton all game long and just talk and talk and talk, say the worst things. And John Stockton would never even look him in the eyes and never paid attention, never responded, never said a word back to him. And it could, like it, that took him out of his game. <laughs> so he, that's why he always says that John Stockton is the hardest player that he ever had to guard because how he would guard people and get in their heads never worked on him. You know, John Stockton – there's a million John Stockton stories that exist in the league that never made it to media. Dude, the Dream Team one is the greatest story. <laughs> we should have we should have a summer podcast dedicated to uh, stories like that that just never saw the light of day. That, yeah, that really yeah, that really define who the player like how most people think John Stockton was one of the cleanest players in the league, yet he was the dirtiest player of oh, his yeah. era. Yeah. So just give him like he never went around a screen without giving somebody an elbow shot to the gut. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> no, he was he was bad. So let's uh, let's go over the last matchup. Now this one, I, I mean, I feel bad because I think two months ago this doesn't happen, but because we are where yeah. we are, uh, yeah. Boston versus the Pacers in the four or five spot. How are you feeling? You know, uh, we we talked up Indiana quite a bit, and still number five is a uh, is. I mean, after Old Depot went down, we honestly didn't expect them to make the playoffs. And to be here at the number five seed is great. Uh, and I honestly think it's not going to be too terrible of a matchup because right now, I mean, Boston's been playing pretty good the last couple of weeks, but it always feels like with that team, you never know what you're going to get. They're either going to throw up 130 or they're going to throw up 90, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I mean, they just they just lost the Orlando Magic by eight at home. Yeah, they're the poster boys of inconsistency. And I think, you know, should they have a couple of bad games, I, you know, Indiana has a chance. I don't think it's the biggest chance. Uh, you know, I, I still think that, uh, you know, Boston will end up, you know, just on paper alone taking the series. But, uh, you know, it's, it, I think Indiana's going to give him a dogfight. Yeah. I think that uh, – I think this is the series that Boston figures it out. I really do. Like, they can make a, they can make a little bit of moves, but they're going to they're gonna quickly have to come up with their, their playoff identity. Brad Stevens has to commit. 
And then that's what I think this series is. If he commits early, game one, game two, to, to his, his uh, seven, eight-man rotation, yep. and, and he holds to it, uh, then, then I think that they can start dialing that in. But if he starts doing what he does this, like during the regular season where he moves people in and out, and sometimes Hayward is, is a focal point, sometimes he's, he's coming off the bench and, and not really doing a whole lot, and they don't have any, any clear direction, I think the Pacers can sneak in and steal that series. That being said, the Pacers lack firepower when it comes to uh, a go-to score, which right. is which is where they're hurting with Oladipo being gone, and Wesley Matthews is not that player anymore, uh, and they just don't have experience as a as a team. Man, you were so excited about Wesley Matthews just a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little tongue in cheek, but uh, yeah, and that's where I'm at. The Pacers, the Pacers are not going to do anything to win. They just won't do anything to lose, Where whereas Boston could theoretically shoot themselves in the foot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad Stevens has mixed up lineups so much this year. Um, and I think in the playoffs, you know, as, as hard as it is to not go with your veterans, I think he's got to really look at his young guys that, you know, got them as far as they did last year and, you know, make sure that they're a key part in that rotation and not getting minimal minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to really level it out and see what the, the younger guys can actually have to offer. And there's no better time to experiment with, you know, how are these guys going to perform in the playoffs is in the first round because that's going to be your easiest matchup. So you might yeah. as well – see what you're going to get as far as the long playoff road is going to go, hopefully, for this team. Well, so here, here's what I think is really going to be uh, the key. The Bo- the Boston Pacers game is going to be the last series that Boston is going to be able to play um, mistake basketball and win because the, the second-round matchup more than likely will be against Toronto. Right. And you're not going to get any forgiveness out of that Toronto Raptor team. No. Zero. No. Uh, furthermore, I honestly, I'm going to call it right now. Boston Toronto will happen, and and by game four, by game th- the end of game three, you're going to see Kyrie Irving give up, and and start house shopping, uh, on Zillow on his phone off the bench, for <laughs> for a house in Manhattan. That's what I think is going to happen. We're going to see we're going to see if Brad Stevens is a strong enough coach to play. Uh, uh, Brown and Tatum extended minutes. Uh, yeah, they, uh, if if he benches Kyrie some, if Kyrie's mailing it in or, or and getting Rozier in there. Rozier, that's what I was thinking of because that that's the the that's the going to be the tell is is he a strong enough head coach to stand up to some of the personalities on that team? And by personalities, I really mean Kyrie Irving. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I call Boston um, over the Pacers, but it's yeah, it's definitely not the home run. Like if somebody said, "Hey, the Pacers won in six. I would I wouldn't be surprised if they said Boston won in five. I I wouldn't be surprised. No. These, these games can go either way. No, and well, that's the hard thing when you have uh, you know teams that are as inconsistent as Boston and struggling like uh, Indiana has the last little bit. True. That is our playoff preview. We've went over uh, both the Eastern and Western Conference matchups. Uh, I just want to recap, make sure that everybody's in agreement here. By everybody, I mean me and you, and of course the listeners will have their own opinion because they're a lot smarter than us. Uh, we have Golden State uh, probably in a sweep beating the Clippers. Is that what you have? Yep. All right. I have uh, Denver over OKC uh, more than likely, but OKC can't win. But, uh, so I have the Golden State Warriors. I have the Denver Nuggets, Houston Rockets, and the Utah Jazz coming out of the West. We're actually chalking on that one, one, two, three, and four seeds. Any, yeah. any changes that you want to make to this? Uh, no, I, I mean, th- those are who I pick, but that's not exactly who I'm going to be pulling for. So Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to change my mind on this one. 
because I, I have a problem going chalk. All right. I'm pulling. I'm pulling OKC. Yeah, I'm, you think I'm so, gonna, huh? Yeah, I'm going to go OKC on that on that two seven matchup. Yeah, I just uh, I I don't they, want they, it. They, they, I, no, I don't no, want oh, it. I understand. They have a chance. I just uh, it, it it really all uh, depends on what kind of Westbrook they get in that series, and I think that's how it's going to fall. If if Westbrook is shooting thirty percent for that series, they're done. Okay. Uh, so we have Milwaukee defeating the Pistons. That one seems pretty easy. Toronto beating the Nets has right. to be has to be a shoe. And we have Philadelphia over the Magic. I don't know how that goes any other way either. Right. Uh, and then the one that could go be up for grabs, right. Boston Pacers. Yeah, that's uh, that one is going to be the t- the tough one to call. It's it's going to be an interesting series, honestly. Yeah. I, I look forward to to actually seeing these young guys on Boston play more. And I think I think should. You know, and you made fun of me earlier for saying you know Boston's best chance is to not have Kyrie play as many minutes as mm. he is, uh, or you know they'll do better with a Kyrie injury. Yeah, but, yeah I uh, did, and I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a disciple to that theory now. But uh, yeah, I, I you know that that's a chance for a lot of minutes for these young guys who proved that you know they they have what it takes last year to actually make a good push. Yeah, agreed. So there we have it. We didn't take any risks. Uh, on the East, we both agree the one, two, three, and four seeds are advancing. That's just a really bad. I mean, Pistons, Nets, Magic, and Pacers. It's not a challenging enough. No. So uh, it it's not that. Uh, I think the most fun series for me in the first round, though, might actually end up being that one eight matchup. To yeah, be honest with you, Pistons. to see yeah. The, yeah, to see those two teams go at it and uh, to see a battle of uh, you know. Inside games with Giannis against uh, Griffin and Drummond there. So yeah, and you get to watch uh, now, reader or listeners. If he if he punches me, um, you're all a witness to this. It's really exciting to see uh, z- the original Zion prototype uh, in the playoffs play Griffin. <laughs> oh, uh, so the fun anecdote to end the show. So he sent RJ here sends me a text. Uh, was it Thursday or Friday? Something like that. Yeah, something. Uh, saying, hey, I know what the best Zion comparison is, and he sends me a clip of Blake Griffin in college just dominating, throwing down crazy, crazy dunks, going through defenders, you know, using his power and his speed and his athleticism. And I was taken aback because I tried to tell him that that was a really good comparison a couple of months ago, and he shot that down like it was duck hunting season. And I had to say, you know, I... I was just flabbergasted. I had nothing to say. <laughs> uh, to my defense, I would just like to say I thought when you made the comparison, you didn't say Blake Griffin. You said Griffin. I assumed Eddie. <laughs> so I Taylor? Stand... <laughs> Eddie Griffin. No, no, I meant Taylor Griffin. Taylor Griffin. Oh, his brother. <laughs> no, I didn't want it to be that close. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't, I couldn't sell that. Eddie Griffin. Oh. Was the, the Minnesota Timberwolf? Eddie? Eddie Griffin. Seems like that's the name. Eddie, Eddie Griffin. Griffin was a little comic, wasn't he? Well, Eddie Griffin still is a comic, but I thought he was a Timberwolf. I'm uh, wasn't he a Maverick? Adrian Griffin. We're going to have to look know. this up. Eddie Griffin played basketball. Oh, jeez. Boom! In the Raptors uniform. Or I'm sorry. In that's the Timberwolves uniform on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Who called it? I called it. If you want to see more of Eddie Griffin, we could probably find him in the big three. Also, I kind of I'm going to make this uh, proposal right now to the listeners and to you, Jason. Uh, During the off season of the NBA, can we become a big three podcast? 
That would be kind of fun. I think so. That would be, you know, uh, we actually probably know a lot more about those guys than we do some of these newer guys in the league. Right. So. One of the elements that we wanted to do with this podcast is during the offseason do a lot of uh, retrospectives, right? Go back and look at some of the past teams, do some cool comparisons, do the over, um, right. do the over during the regular season in the back in the, in the, in the offseason. I kind of want to do a big three-focused off-season podcast. <laughs> yeah. Season starts June 22nd. And preview for that, I really, really hope Greg Oden enters the draft again and gets picked. That would be, that would be pretty legit. We should, we'll have well, a special. you know he was in the draft last year for yeah, it, right? he didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and he didn't get picked. Yeah. I was, you know, I never thought that anything that happened in big three would really tick me off, and that, that really that did. did. So there's some pretty cool players that are in the big three that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Agent Zero. Right, Gilbert right. Arenas. That's going to be one. Kendrick Wasn't Perkins, a league leading scorer, was Katino Mobley last year. Yeah, right? yeah. So they they've uh, they've added four teams. I'm I'm kind of giving a little big free big three preview. I'm just really excited. They've added four expansion teams, mm-hmm. and they've really expanded the roster. Or they've expanded the rosters, and they've expanded the, the schedule of because of this. And yeah. So I really think that we'll have a really awesome time doing, and we might be one of the few podcasts that do big three coverage. Uh, but we'll have like a, we can do a preseason preview, the team breakdowns. We can cover the draft, the whole nine yards. So and if you be- haven't watched that on Fox, it's great, man. It is so like, especially if you're an older guy like us. Like, if there's ever been a better time to like reminisce watching this, I mean, it's fantastic. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, you get some of the best players of the of the past playing, and then if you go way back, you got Rick Mahorn as a head coach. Mm-hmm. You got Gary Payton, Allen Iverson as head coaches, even though they could probably play. play. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Rick Barry is coaching. Yeah, you know, like this is exciting. Well, one, one thing, one, one last note on the Big Five. I honestly did not think that was going to go past its first year. And I'm glad it did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that it's growing in popularity. I mean, hey, man, half court. It. So, so keys to success on this. One, uh, they 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 made it so that players that still had something left in the tank, but just not at the grand scheme, mm-hmm. at the, uh, the grand level, who didn't make enough money, <laughs> needed it, yeah. right? So uh-huh. they had a venue for that. And then the, the, and the names were still marketable right. at that point. And maybe you just don't want to go to China. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> you know? That's right. Kendrick Perkins, not really going to make a big impact in when's, China. When's Marbury going to come home? He has statues, man. <laughs> I'm sure he's, he's he's like Chinese Rocky over he there. He is. He's just never gonna leave. He's he's gonna be like so if Germans love David Hasselhoff, Chinese love Stefan Marbury. That's all there is to it. Yeah, followed so, closely by Jimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Although they lost Jimmer. Uh he's back in the States now. That's all I have for this week's podcast, Jason. Hey, it's been a fun one, and I love playoff season, so it's going to be some exciting weeks coming in our show. So uh, we encourage you guys to tune in, and uh, we're going to have a great time with you. Yeah, one last call. Uh, make sure that you like and follow us on Facebook at the Over and Back Facebook page. Email us, O-V-R-N-B-A-C-K at gmail.com with any questions. And make sure to uh, mark us uh, on your rotation for iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Have a great one, everybody. All right, peace. Peace.